Warning, this podcast is rated effed up for profanity, sexual violence, and potentially disturbing material. If I were you, I'd turn back now. Welcome back to the Macabre Academy. You have hit part two of our Kurt Cobain hour Nirvana series. It feels like a fucking hour. For you, it's been a week. For us, it's been 15 minutes. <laughs> Literally, that's how long. It's not been an hour. I'm sorry. We're not on your timeline. That's only because you're high. Look at time. Let me go. <laughs> Brandy's on paid medication. It's fine. Don't add us. It's going to be a good one. So, Kev, why don't you kind of summarize last episode in case somebody listening this week didn't what hear it? Fuck? And um, okay, yeah. my summary is go back and listen to part one. <laughs> <laughs> because otherwise we're going to have another hour because I'm really into this. But um, the first part is simply me contextualizing Kurt Cobain, Nirvana, um, Never mind, and then more to the point, smells like teen spirit in the time that it occurred and its relevance to music of the era and what it did to other kinds of. Will you two stop fighting? My cats are fighting. Um, and then, you know, what it did to music and what the success of that album ultimately led to for Kurt. Um, I read a bunch of his journal entries and if I can figure out how to work garage band, you guys might get a real nice treat. Yeah. Um, well, you did find me. something you were looking for. So I'd like to start the episode with that. Yeah. So I read, I read a bunch of Kurt's quotes from his high school journal and I found another one that I was actually looking for originally because I didn't realize the quote I was looking for was like three separate quotes in one. So I, I, I will end up actually reading 90% of what I was looking for, just broken up as opposed to one wall of text, which is what I wanted to do. So again, this is from his high school journal. So this is the mid to late 80s, probably, when Kurt was in high school. Uh, apparently, Kurt only went through 10th grade, which is something I didn't know until recently. I thought he had graduated. Apparently he dropped out in 10th grade. So the quote is, I like to complain and do nothing to make things better. I like to blame my parents' generation for coming so close to social change and then giving up after a few successful episode efforts by the media and government to deface the movement by using the Mansons and other hippie representatives as propaganda examples on how they were nothing more but unpatriotic, communistic, satanic, and human diseases. And in turn, the baby boomers became the ultimate confirming yuppie hypocrites a generation has ever produced. I like to calmly and rationally discuss my views in a conformist manner, even though I consider myself to the extreme left. I like to infiltrate the mechanics of a system by posing as one of them and then slowly start to rot them from the inside of the empire. The conspiracy towards success in America is immediacy. Here today, gone tomorrow, because yesterday's following is nothing more than a tool in every individual's need for self-importance, entertainment, and social and social rituals. Art that has long-lasting value cannot be appreciated by the majority. Only the same small percent will value the arts. Wow. I mean, he had his his waters run deep. Like like I said, a very smart, very damaged man. Yes. 
what sucks is is like I got I got part two and I'm actually ashamed oh, of myself. Before we, before we start, huge content warning on this one. This one is all about suicide Run and away. murder. So again, if you're sensitive to that, um Back out skip now. this part. But like and, we're here. I got you. So. Yeah, I like the blanket warning because the last one at least you got some context, you got music, you got a story. And it wasn't 100% murder-suicide like it is right now. Right. So, um, like I said, again, like I said in part one, if you are struggling with suicidal thoughts and ideations, we are here for you, though we are not experts. Uh, please talk to somebody if you are feeling that way. You have value. You have worth. You deserve to be on this planet. We will tweet and probably pin the suicide hotlines numbers. So if you need to talk to somebody, they are there for you. And please, if you are having these thoughts, please talk to somebody. You know, the last time we did an episode remotely, um, this level fucked up. Um, I definitely had a couple of listeners start a conversation with me. It's not that they were feeling like suicidal now, but they were sharing their stories with me and comparing. And that meant a lot to me. So, I mean, I'm not a suicide prevention person, but I am a willing advocate of mental health and I am more than willing to help share stories and talk about things. You know, I'm here for you. It's a community, you know? Yes. And like, like we did say though, you know, we are here, but we are not professionals. Oh no, uh, not even so, close. So if you are feeling, if you are feeling that way, please seek help. Please seek a professional. And we will help you in any way that we can. Kev, I'm so happy that you're here to do the blanket. Um, you're the best. Yeah. Because, like, I'm just trash and, like, I need to hear these things. So, like, I'm sure other people do. Yeah, she's it's having fine. a moment. She's like, I'm valuable. I am I'm having a moment because, like, listen. Let me tell you, my mental health is not okay. I don't know my favorite song right now is I'm Not Okay. Like, that's the song. I already told you, you're not allowed to bullshit me. She she texted me the other day and tried to bullshit me. And I said, look, you're allowed to be sad. You're allowed to be upset. But you're, like, not allowed to, you're not allowed to sit here and tell me that you're fucking okay. Because you're not. Like, listen, like, we all know this. But, mm-hmm. like, mental health is important. It is. And I like, keep forcing you to talk about it even though you don't want to. And I'm not going to talk about it. We're just going to ignore it. No. But don't be not- like me, kids. No. Don't be like me. No. My bra's out. Don't be like me. I mean, yeah, don't have your bra out. I mean, it's cute. It's polka dotted. You know, I could my bra. stand cool for some though. more Super Bowl nip slips in my life. Like, I'm fine with this. If you want to come flash me with a nipple pasty, like, I'm completely down. I love you. I, I tweeted at Macabre Academy. <laughs> <laughs> this week on the Macabre Academy, you get Steffi, Brandy, and Kevin muddling through. <laughs> Hi guys, Next I'm here. Hour. Here, we're ready. Okay, listen. This is listen. This is going to be a rough one. We need some levity in it. So I'm going to cry. Yeah, if we're laughing, we're not laughing at the situation. We're trying to take the stress off of ourselves to give a palate cleanser. So it is what it is. And I was I was trying to say earlier, I'm actually embarrassed because I did not get all the research done that I wanted to, but I was down a fucking rabbit hole. I've already spent 10 hours on just this. And what's killing me is like, 
it's kind of like those theories on how Elvis is still like living in like Nova Scotia somewhere. Like he is such a myth and an icon that all these stories are on the internet and none of them match about what happened to him, why he killed himself or if he was murdered. Like the timeline that I have, I'm not even hundred percent in because there's so many different versions So I tried to put it together in a way that made sense to me, but not all the sources that I found were credible. I I had a hard time deciding if they were credible, like is Rolling Stone saying one thing and then the, you know, news station is saying the other thing. And I'm like, fuck me. Oh, all right. So I've tried to organize this as a timeline of events. And then I think I have to tell a story to tell a story. We on board? Uh Uh-huh. Great. So I don't know when um, Kurt had tried to kill himself and Courtney brought him back with that drug. What was that called? Um, Oh, Narcan? Yeah. Yes, that. Okay, that's not on my timeline, unfortunately. Oh, I the only one that's Narcan. Because you went to nursing school. No, I I said it in the last podcast. I just blanked on the name. Yeah. And I'm going back. All right, so I don't know where that is on the timeline. That was 93. Perfect. My timeline starts on March 18th, 1994. Okay. <laughs> so there's like, there's a lot of things. In fact, it doubles back to something that happened in Rome and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's a mess. Okay. So March 18th, 1994. Okay. There's a domestic, ex- uh, uh, Stephanie, domestic dispute between Love and Kurt Cobain. So well, she, for those of you who don't know, is Courtney Love, his wife. Yes. So, Bitch. yeah. Well, the officers arrived because Courtney called. And she told them that Kurt had locked himself in the bathroom with a gun, thirty-eight caliber revolver, and his intentions were to kill himself. Well, I mean, who hasn't done that? I mean, right? But the uh, officers, right, like... The, the stories were not matching, but they were. So the officers went, fuck this, for his safety. They confiscated the gun. And then they found uh, three other guns that they also took and a bottle of various unidentified pills that they took. And then later that night, apparently Kurt told the police that he actually wasn't planning on killing himself. So... It's kind of like uh, it might have been an attempt. It might not have been an attempt. Could have been just trying to get the fuck away from Courtney or, you know, they could have just had a fight. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They could have just had a fight and he locked himself in the bathroom, you know, and it was easier. Because we've all done that. Yeah. You did that recently. Yeah. Locked yourself in the bathroom to get away from said boy. I did. Yep. So it's a thing. It's a thing. So take it or leave it, but it's an incident that is police documented. Now, on March 24th, 25th, so not far long after that, he had like 10 friends get together, okay? This includes the bandmates, Chris and Pap Smear, his manager, John Silva. No, not Pap Smear, Pat Smear. It's Pat This Smear. is not gynecologist. Well, maybe he should have rethought his, his stage name then. Okay. It, okay. Maybe he did it on purpose so that people would do that. But no. no. I, okay. It's kind of like Pat, Mike Hunt. Sm- Pat Smear used to play um, in the Germs, which was a fucking awesome band. Mm-hmm. 
So for those of us playing the home game, sorry. No, it's okay. Billig was there, um, and long friend Dylan Carlson was there. And then Love was also there, and I don't know who Goldberg is, but he's listed. But um, So Love, they're all there. And they gathered at Kurt's Seattle Lake Washington Boulevard home, okay? And they decided to take a new approach with an intervention counselor. And um, as part of the intervention, Love threatened to leave Cobain and smear and... Novoselic, who's that guy? Chris Novoselic. Thank you, Chris. He's the bass player. Right. They would break up the band if Cobain didn't check into rehab, and it took five hour session and a two day process before um, they kind of like gave up. And Kurt retired to the basement where they rehearsed some new material. That was that. But then he winds up going to that rehabilitation center. Um, and then March 31st hits in 1994. And that's when he scales the brick wall. And it was weird because he had only been checked in for one day. And he tells the guys like, hey, I'm going to go smoke. And then he cheeses it. And when he flies back to Seattle, he tries to do it before Courtney could cut off his credit card. Okay, so put put a pin in that. Uh-huh. Just put a pin in it. Okay. Yep. Now, April 2nd happens, 1994. Now, Gary Smith, which uh, Kev mentioned earlier, he was an employee of VECA Electric, and he finds Kurt's body in the greenhouse above the garage. And this poor guy, he was just there <laughs> to install security lighting. And he didn't see any visible signs of trauma, except Kurt's ear was bleeding a little bit. And then he found the suicide note located next to the flower pot near his body. Now, he thought he was just sleeping, but then he noticed across his chest a Remington Model 11 20-gauge shotgun. Now, this shotgun was illegally purchased for him by Dylan Carlson. That's that drone group Earth guy. Or whatever. And I'm not as familiar with that. He was also found with his sunglasses and his cigar stash box for his drugs and a pack of American Spirit cigarettes. Apparently, he liked American Spirits. Okay. So the gun was illegally purchased for him because he had a history of being troubled and he didn't want it to be seized for his protection like the other guns had been done. So, in fact, it happened twice in the previous 10 months where guns were confiscated from him for uh, safety reasons. What sucks is when they did find this 20-gauge shotgun, they didn't fingerprint it until a month later, and they had four latent prints that were not usable. Hmm. Yeah. That's not weird. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, here we go. A month before his actual death, he had overdosed on champagne and 50 Rohypnol pills in a hotel room in Rome. That's what I was trying to remember. There was a note then, too, when he had overdosed. But then again, Kurt had also denied that it was a suicide attempt. The plan, apparently, was for him to take the couple's money and disappear off the map, not kill himself. And there is no known copy of that suicide note. (laughs) Love did state, though, um, 
after the incident, he's not going to get away from me that easy. I'll follow him through hell. <laughs> Bitch. <clears throat> All right. So this, this, there's, there's a case here to either say, yes, he's trying to commit suicide or Uh-oh. B, he's just literally trying to get the fuck away from Courtney Love. Kev, what's I your... Mean, I mean, Courtney's a pretty awful human being, but... Mm. So anyway, <clears throat> his body had been found with puncture rooms on the inside of both elbows. Okay. That's well, all. he did have a heroin problem. He did. Exactly. Well, but the, on April 14th, the Seattle newspaper reported that he was high on heroin when he pulled the trigger. The paper reported that the toxicology test determined the level of morphine in Cobain's system was 1.52 milligrams per liter. And there was also evidence of Valium in his blood. The report contained a quote from Dr. Randall Basilet of the Chemical Toxic- Toxicological, yeah, that word, Institute. They stated that Kurt Cobain's level of heroin was at a high concentration by anybody's account. So he had taken a lot of drugs. He also stated that the strength of the dose would depend on many factors and complete. Com- so, okay, he was on a lot of fucking drugs, but if you're used to taking a lot of fucking drugs, like you and your fucking Benadryl, it takes even more and more and more to get the effects. My max is 24 so far. Brandy. I'm not going to die mm. because I want to. All right. Well, just, just That's hold not on. That's how that works. Well, put a pin in this too, because we're going to come back to it. So it was a okay. high concentration. He might've been able to tolerate said concentration. We don't know yet. So the autopsy was not completed until April 8th. And his body was cremated shortly after. Hey, Kev, I got a weird but true for you. Hit me up with it. The coroner was Dr. Nicholas Hartsthrone, the producer of several Nirvana concerts who had personally known Cobain and Love. Hmm. There you go. The, The guy who did the autopsy. The coroner. So critics allege that the case should have been investigated as a homicide and not initially begun with the conclusion of suicide as it moved forward. It's like they saw suicide and that's all they saw and they refused to investigate anything else because that's the way the stage was set. Now, Mm -hmm. as we know from being true crime fans, that sometimes suicides aren't suicides. They look like suicides so that they get brushed off. But... All right. I can't even decide if he killed himself or if he was murdered at this point. So just he didn't hang in there. He didn't. Okay. So fun fact about Hawthorne too, our heart's throne or whatever. Um, we can't talk to him now because he was he's killed. dead. Yeah. Hmm. Base jumping accident in Switzerland. 2002. Oh, was it an accident? No, he was base jumping. Like a, no, base jumping's a bad idea. Listen, a lot of things are bad ideas. Kev, are you going to go base jumping? I mean, it sounds like a fun way to go. I mean, listen, if I don't die from that, I might die from the heart attack of me jumping. Hmm. All right, so we're going to talk about the crime scene here for a second. Great. Before I go on with the timeline of events. Okay. March 14th, 2014 happened. 2014? Yeah. 
So it okay. turns out that under the initial investigation of his suicide, the crime scene photos were Polaroids. And somebody had found uh, four rolls of undeveloped crime scene photos left in the evidence vault from his suicide. So they actually gave those pictures to a uh, cold case investigator, Mike Sienski. And that actually gave him a better view of the corpse at time of death. There was absolutely no intentions of releasing those photos to the public, but the internet happened. So 2016, we all can see the crime scene photos from when Kurt Cobain died. Can you really? Yeah. Are they still up? Yes. No. Don't look at them yet because I put one in the thing. Okay. Okay. Don't look at them But I want to look at them. So even though they've developed these crime scene photos, they are still ruling it as a suicide despite ongoing requests to reinvestigate the case. Okay. So it's still ruled a suicide to this day. So there's a couple issues that come up. Okay. First issue that comes up was the shotgun. Okay. So I'm going to try to read this in a concise way so we understand what's going on. Okay. It was inverted with his left hand wrapped around the barrel. Occasionally, he played with his right hand and he wrote with his right hand. But uh, he was notoriously... Um, he's left-handed. Right. He's left-handed. But, but he's ambidextrous. A, yes, guitarist. So you can see photos of him writing with his right hand, but he's left-handed. So the barrel of the shotgun was found in his left hand, which means he would have had to pull the trigger with his right hand. Now, I can see somebody stabilizing a shotgun before, you know, while it's there before they pull the trigger. But I don't think if you're high out of your mind that you wouldn't use your dominant hand to do it. It just seems weird to me there. There's also a thing on uh morbid where they were talking about the length of the shotgun i couldn't find that in time for this but there's it has to be a minimum it has to be a minimum of 18 inches right so there was a there was a something on more don't quote me on this one but there was a discussion about the length not being comfortably able to pull um as a face shotgun thing because of how long the gun that was that was found with him i don't know if that's true That's just one of the other theories. All I can go is with the right hand, left hand thing. Okay, great. So there's theories on the nitrates found on his hand from firing the shotgun. Okay. Um, There's a big investigator, which we'll get to later. His name's Grant. And he is one of those people that is saying that Kurt Cobain was murdered. He said that the nitrates in this case are meaningless. And he went on to say that anyone standing in a small room to medium-sized room with their hands exposed, especially their palms, like in a robbery, you know, when they tell you to hold up your hands and everybody shoots their hands up. Okay. Anybody within that vicinity would test positive for gunshot residue or rifle or shotgun residue on their hands, even if they were in just in the vicinity of it, basically. Um, GSR. But, can, never mm-hmm. mind. Go ahead. Well, hang on. But it I carries, knew you were going to get there. It carries like a sneeze through the room. So the closer yeah. you are to it, the more gunshot residue you will have on your hands. 
Right. Also, wear a mask, people. Yeah. Mm, listen, we're not having that argument. So, of course, Kurt tested positive for GSR on his hands and his face. Okay. But according to some investigators, that would have happened even if he was murdered because those things were in such close proximity to yeah. that shotgun. I'm going to go with plausible, but I looked at the National Center for Forensic Science on this one. Okay. Um, Kevin, have you ever had a clean gunshot residue off your hands from firing like a nine or something? Is yeah. it visible? Can you see it? Um, usually not with one round. It also depends on the ammo you shoot. Some ammo is dirtier than others. Mm. So I have, I mean, I do keep a small bottle of Dawn in my range bag so that after i'm done i can wash that shit off my hands oh well, there you go okay so is it's it that thing. easy i mean probably not to get like like i'm just talking about like getting the visible shit off oh not the stuff you'd have to like swab for but yeah after, i've never shot a gun so I don't well know. i have i have information on how long it lasts you know, after a couple hundred rounds you put through a weapon, your hand if you shoot dirty ammo, your hands are gonna turn a little black. So mm, if yeah. you're get all that shit and all the lead off, so I'm not like you know, putting that Maybe shit in I my mouth. I don't want to do that. Well, at the National Center for Forensic Science, okay, they say a gunshot residue can travel between three and five feet from the gun. But it's a fickle thing. So if you have a positive result for gunshot residue, it's not a clear-cut answer, okay? It mainly only indicates that a person was um, that be, that was being tested was in the vicinity of a gun being fired or handled a gun after it was fired or it touched something that was around the gun when it was fired. That's the only oh. thing that a positive result shows. So, um, so if a person comes to the aid of a victim of a gunshot wound, right, and they're trying to, you know, don't die, okay, the gunshot residue particles can transfer from the victim onto said lifesaver. So they can even test positive for gunshot residue. So it's not like what I thought it was in CSI, right? Also, I lied to us? Never. Shut up. Well, lied. So all of it, all it does is say, Hey, this person was near a gunshot. Not that they pulled the right. trigger or that they were victim or anything. It just said they were in the vicinity. Um, a negative result therefore is that person was nowhere near the gun when it was fired or they were not close to it or didn't touch anything with the gun. So it also can mean that the gunshot residue had worn off. Okay. On the hands of a living person, it can stay for four to six hours. Okay. And then even wiping your hands on anything can transfer the gunshot residue off the hands. And what's interesting is victims don't always get gunshot residue on them. Even suicide victims can test negative for gunshot residue. Oh. Yeah, it's raining outside my house, too, so Sound Maiden's going to have fun with my audio. Oh, she'll love it. Okay, so we understand that... Kurt tested positive for gunshot residue. Right. Okay. Not indicative indicative of a murder or a suicide. Awesome. So great. Yep. That was a big issue. So the biggest issue that Kev touched on, and I'm going to hit again, is the lack of blood. Okay. He had a point blank shotgun blast into his mouth, straight up into his brain. So 
the reason why there might not have been as much blood is that the blood remains in the mouth after that because the the jaws still like attached in some cases. So with his jaw still being attached, the blood would be pulling in the back of his mouth and in his throat and not on the floor. Okay. So it's less visible, but I looked up some pictures which are in the Google docs of survive or, or, or of people who survived gunshots to the face. Oh my God. Yeah. Why? And then underneath that is his photo of how he was found. I'm going to need a warning next time. I told you they're graphic. Oh my God. Well, point is it's possible to survive a gunshot to the face. So please don't do it. Cause the guy in the middle of these photos survived oh. and he has no, no face. Yeah. It's going well, to tend. Oh. You- you probably tend to flinch before you pull the trigger, which is a common problem when you're not even trying to shoot yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's usually what happens is you go to pull the trigger. You're like, oh, this is going to be loud and probably hurt and you flinch and you end up missing. Mm-hmm. So the guy in the middle clearly did not have, I mean, his entire jaw is blown off. It's just his gone. entire face is gone. Right. But that's one oh of the my more, God. I know it's a more severe one, but if you look at the other two, if you're looking at somebody from a distance, there's not a significant amount of blood. Randy might actually be sick. From a distance. I'm still going to see that blood. I'm just jaw. putting it out there for you guys like, to make up your mind. I just, I looked up gunshot to the face. Okay. I'm not going to be sick. I'm just like, I would notice that. But if you look at his photo, his mouth is dark, you know, and there's not a lot of blood around him, but I'm using, these aren't the perfect comparisons. I'm just giving you examples on how much blood you might be able to expect from least severe to severe. So. All right. We'll just keep a pin. I'm ready. We're good. There's no more graphic photos. That's it. Witches, I am in love with this family-run business, Mystical Existence. The bath products that turn your ordinary self-care ritual into a celestial experience. As a witch, my bathing habits are sacred. So I was overjoyed to find products that not only smell amazing, but don't irritate my sensitive skin. My favorite scent is Scorpio, which was designed with Maggie's daughter and the perfume her mother used to wear at heart. All soaps, lotions, and bath bombs are handmade with supplies that are purchased from ethical and responsible manufacturers. A portion of the products are vegan for all you animal lovers out there. As the wheel of the year turns, new products are designed to match the seasons. Currently only available in the United States, you can find Mystical Existence on Facebook, Instagram, or at their website, mysticalexistence.com For 15% off, use our promo code MACABRE. That's M-A-C-A-B-R-E I was not ready. I, I, you warned me, but I was not ready. I told you there's pictures of gunshot wounds. 
to the I face. know, but like I just uh, okay. I did not know. Sorry. It's okay. okay. It's, it's, it's fine. fine. I'm going to keep looking at it. It's like a train wreck. I can't look away. Yeah. You should have seen me looking for them on Google, trying to find oh plausible God. ones. Um, it's bad. Don't shoot yourself with a gun. The only sure way to kill yourself, I'm not going to list, but it's not a gun. Okay. Not a gun. Bad no? Yeah. Will you tell idea. me what it is? I'll tell you after the podcast. Oh, good. Yeah. There's only Home one. buildings. No, that's not even no. it. No. Okay. Just break your bones. Okay. So a lot of information going forward comes from that guy, Grant, that I had just mentioned. Tom is a private investigator and former detective in the LA County Sheriff's Department. Okay. And he was hired by Courtney Love to locate Kurt after he had jumped the, the wall at rehab. Okay. And there's also some evidence that Love apparently pretended to be Kurt Cobain's mother, Wendy O'Connor, to issue a missing persons report to the Seattle Police Department. So within, you know, as soon as they realized he was gone, Courtney's hiring a PA, PI, private investigator, and they're putting on a missile persons report to Seattle Police Department. That is happening Mm -hmm. that fast. Okay. So according to the one source, I guess, Love stated in O'Connor's name that Cobain was missing, suicidal, and in possession of a shotgun. Okay. But did he have... That's access bef- to the shotgun that fast? I don't, I don't know. This is just oh. immediately after they decided that he was missing. Love called in a personal a love or his actual mother. Okay. Whichever one. We don't know. Called into the Seattle police department missing persons. And the reason they pushed the missing, they wanted to push it faster to find him is because he was suicidal and had a shotgun. Okay. Now, if you talk to Mr. Grant, he says that uh, that this was a diversion tactic. Okay, so it's immediately painting Kurt Cobain as suicidal, as well as a good setup for murder if you were going to murder him. Um, the impression left by Love's report would be that no less than the singer's mother felt that Cobain was in danger to himself. And it would head the investigation towards suicide. So that was like what she was thinking. Okay. But that information is coming from Grant. So all I know is that there's actually a police report from Wendy, blah, blah, blah. I don't know how to prove that it's, they didn't do a good job convincing me it was love making the phone call, but he's adamant that it is. I Um, definitely thought it was. Well, he's, he worked for Courtney Love. He was hired immediately after, and he really feels that Cobain was murdered, okay? Um, and she, he openly claims that he felt that Courtney hired him just so she would not be suspected in his death. Which is smart. Mm. Like, she's a bitch, but she's smart. Well, one of his Like, things, if she did this, she's smart. If she did it. Well, we're gonna we're gonna wait till the end before we decide if he was murdered or suicide. I'm gonna play murder or suicide the entire game. Okay. I mean that's fine. Okay. We all know how I feel. Is that like smash or pass, but not? Yeah, uh, but no one gets hooked, so it's definitely pass. Mm-hmm. So his theory was begun because of the amount of drugs in his system, 
And he's stating that much drugs would make it ineffective for him to try to pull the trigger of a gun. Mm-hmm. So he thinks he was incapacitated before the shotgun blast was administered. Okay. Because he had the last of $50. He had the last $50 of his black tar heroin in his blood scene stream turned to morphine. The, it was um, the level in his system was triple the maximum lethal dose for an already severe addict, according to Grant. And then we did see that that one guy previously said it was a lot, even for somebody who's used to taking drugs that was in his system. Part of the problem with Grant, though, is that he was also going off of the investigation report from the Seattle News. And I don't think he actually had the coroner's toxicology report in his hand. There's no evidence right. of that. Because he probably couldn't get it. Mm-hmm. So we don't know the exact op- uh, autopsy report because those are confidential under state and federal law. Okay. And you will find experts debating whether he could manage to pull the trigger under that much drugs. Um, mm-hmm. There's people on both sides of the fence. It's possible. It's not possible. It's a lot to dig through. Okay. What is true is that Grant was given access to the suicide note from Love. Okay. So she had handed it to him or she was going to put it in her purse or something like that. And he pretended to need reading glasses so he could read the note and ran off to get a copy on the fax machine. And this is what he has distributed. So there's no paper copy of the original suicide note left because Courtney had it in her possession when they left. It was not submitted into evidence. It doesn't exist. All we have is the copy from Grant. That's sketchy as fuck. Mm. Right. So she was trying to get rid of the suicide note. He photocopied it. That I believe because every picture I see is a fax copy and not the original. Fucking shady bitch. Hey, Kev, you, you were looking at his handwritten notes. Are they all yes. scans or are they like photocopies? What does his journal notes look like? Um, the journal, somebody actually put out an actual like book of his, of his stuff. So it's basically just photocopies of his writings from when he was in high school. Okay. Available on Amazon apparently. But. Hmm. Um, okay. So in his opinion... All right, we we listened to the notes in the last episode. I'm not going to reread the whole thing, okay? But a lot of that note seemed to be about leaving Courtney and Seattle and the music industry was like the first bit of it because Mm -hmm. he didn't like the fame. And Grant's theory is that this was an unfinished draft addressing to the the band of the end of Nirvana because it already sounded like they were heading into a breakup when they said, hey, if you don't go to this rehab, we're going to break up. And he's like, maybe, okay, he's like, fuck this. If you're going to break up with me, I'm going to break up with you. I don't like doing it anyway, right? So I'm done. I don't want to do this. It's not a good life for me. It's not a good life for my daughter, whatever, okay? And he was in talks with R.E.M.'s Michael Stipe about a collaboration to move away from grunge. All right. So currently at that time, he was talking to the Stipe. 
And he was notorious for not being comfortable with the stardom because it got big, way too big, too fast. So he wanted to leave that and then start working on some sort of side project that was not mainstream or or in everybody's face. He wanted to get out of their face. (laughs) And then Nirvana member Dave Grohl confirmed years later that the group was breaking up. And this was on an appearance he made on Howard Stern. I mean, do you feel like that's plausible that they were breaking up before he died based yeah. on what you know? Not you, Brandy. You don't, you're just listening to my notes. I mean, I need you I, to know the bitch did it. it. You didn't know anything about it. And you just decided it was murder right away. Oh, 100%. I've always I mean, thought I it was murder. I hadn't heard that, but I haven't really dug that deep into it. I mean, that, that tracks with, you know, his, it tracks with his right his early writings. It tracks with how big uh, Nevermind got because, like I, I said before, the record label expected them to sell two hundred and fifty thousand copies of Nevermind. They when they recorded them, they gave them sixty thousand dollars for the budget, which is nothing for a major label. So when it sold what twenty million copies. Mm-hmm. Like nobody was expecting that. Yeah. A lot of, that's a lot. So, okay. So the issue with the note is if you, A, don't know that this is a suicide note and B, if you take off the end of the letter, it's plausible that it's about leaving mainstream music, leaving Seattle, leaving, leaving Nirvana, all that stuff for a better life. I'm going to give you that's plausible because there's nothing in there that says I am going to kill myself. Okay. There's nothing that says suicide implications of, you know, tearing down everything that's beautiful in your life because you're not happy with it. Sure. Okay. But it doesn't say this is why I'm ending it all. Okay. It's not in there. And the part that's the word, the suspicious part, okay, is the last part of the letter. And it's a PS, if you will, because he had already signed his name. And the font starts getting bigger after he signed his name at the end. And that's the part that says, Francis and Courtney, I'll be at your altar. Please keep going for Courtney, for Francis, for her life, which is so much happier without me. I love you. I love you. Okay. They're larger and they're speculated to not be his handwriting. Okay. Most think that it was written by Courtney since he frequently mentioned divorcing her the last year that he was alive. I put a copy, I didn't put a copy in here, that suicide note, but you hold on to that, keep a pin in it. Um, I've got a lot of pins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to come together, I swear. It's, uh, this is a lot of red strings. Okay. Okay. Um, we need a flow chart. I do. This is bad. Okay. I love a good flow chart. Mm-hmm. Same Z's. So the note was written in red ink, and the pen that he presumably used to write said note was stabbed through the center of the flower box. Okay. Um, several sentences were crossed out, and the it becomes more erratic and hastier. But of course, we know that Kurt Cobain definitely wrote this letter because of the way that he worded the rest of the letter. He talked to Boda, his, you know, ima- you know, friend, imaginary friend from when he was a kid. Okay. 
And a lot of people are disagreeing on the handwriting analysis. Okay. So uh, document examiner Janice Parker concluded that the note was written Cobain after spending two weeks examining the original copy, apparently, which to my knowledge does not exist. Now, when Dateline sent a copy of the note to four different handwriting experts, one concluded that the entire note was in Cobain's hand, and the other three said that the results were inconclusive. Also, the pen, to my knowledge, did not have, from what I found, did not have any fingerprints on it. Because it wasn't fingerprints. Was not fingerprints. Oh, that's some bullshit. They never took fingerprints because it was suicide, I guess, or they, oh. if they had them... They like didn't use them, you know, whatever. I'm wondering why the pen, the pen was not fingerprinted, but whatever. Good plan. Good plan, guys. Yeah. Um, Dumbasses. So there was an expert on unsolved mysteries too about the suicide note. He also expressed difficulty in drawing a conclusion. He was mad because trying to study the note was photocopied rather than the original. Um. But in the same documentary, a few other writing analysts looked at it and they said that the last four lines were air quote suspicious. Hmm. Now, this is where it gets it gets interesting. Okay. One expert. uh, uh, Okay. Grant taped a conversation with love where she described just discussed. Okay. When they got together, Kurt and um, Kurt. Love. And love, right? At the time, they had a prenuptial agreement Mm -hmm. because her career was going better than his Mm. at the time that they got married, okay? Mm -hmm. So when he rocketed to stardom, she stood to suffer financially in the event of a divorce. And there are recordings with Grant of love discussing Cobain seeking a divorce from her. Now, I'm mad because I could have listened to the tapes myself because I followed, like, the crumb trail, and they were supposed to be on CobainCase.com, and the guy has since removed them because he's done a documentary. So, but these are recorded. They exist. Okay. Okay. Cool, cool. Grant also spoke to Courtney Love's attorney, Rosemary Carroll, in her office April 13, 1994. He said that she was adamant that he should investigate Kurt Cobain's death and that it was not of suicide. Now, Carol also claims that Cobain had asked her to draw up a will excluding Courtney Love because he was planning on filing for divorce. Now, Grant said this was a good motive for Kurt Cobain's death, okay? Um, But anyway, Carol Cobain... uh, Carol also provided Grant with a handwriting sample of where she was practicing copying handwriting, which I have also included in said Google Docs. Um, where? It was in her backpack and that was left at her home. And so I guess the, the attorney went through it and found this paper. It has been suggested that the ha- handwriting on this practice note is similar to the last four lines of Kurt Cobain's suicide note. Um, it's suspicious, but it's not proof positive. 
because love also had a history of forging um, prescriptions. So she was also welcome to the macabre cat to me. Oh, I like that. A cat to me. We should change our name officially because nobody's. No. Yes. I'm allergic to cats. Okay. Do you have like two? I have four. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. I just want to die. Don't use a shotgun. Mm. (laughs) You know, later Courtney's doctor covered for her saying um, that he had just merely forgot his medical pad in the hotel room. Too. Damn, where do I find that doctor at? I know, right? Oh, I was right. There was no no fingerprints on the pen. I forgot where I read that. Okay. So Grant was over and over, over with lack of prints. They were not on the gun. They were also not on the suicide note, and they weren't on the pen. And it's clear that when he shot himself, he was not wearing gloves. Okay. So his fingerprints. Because you can't take those off. Right. So they should have been on something, his fingerprints, and they weren't. Um, Not weird at all. Yeah. Well, Grant offered that Courtney may have wanted him dead since he declined $10 million to headline Lollapalooza in 1994. Oh, 100% she wants him dead. But he, that's how much. It's also the most punk rock thing I could think of. Yeah. Fuck your $10 million. I don't want to headline this shit. Fuck Fuck your $10 million and your major concert. Fuck you. I'm not interested. Yes. That that is something Cart did. It is in the record where he goes, "Fuck this, I'm not doing it." All right, and it seems like the only person that was mad at him wasn't his bandmates, was Courtney. That was ten million dollars. That's a lot of money in 1994. Three, yep. two, money four. today. Four. That's a lot of fucking money, guys. Now, I'm sorry, but I'll murder you for ten million dollars, Brandon. Listen, hi, I'm down. Murder me. Okay. I don't care what we do. (laughs) What's the conversion rate? I don't want to know because I'm going to be sick. Yeah, give me a palate cleanser for a minute while you... uh, Like, I'm going to be sick. $10 million he said no to. That's a lot of fucking money. Mm -hmm. $10 million in 94, worth today. Click on that. Oh, God, I don't want 10,000. Here you go. How do you get... I'll get back to you. Oh, here it is. Uh, $17,625,102.88. Oh, my God. That's sick. Like, I'm going to puke. Well, he said no. That's a lot of money. Nope. No. No. Nope. Oh, God. Because he has a thing called integrity. Yeah. Hi, money. Uh, welcome to punk rock. <laughs> yeah. I mean. So now you, like, like I said, you know, you're selling, you now sold 20 million copies of your album. And your your punk rock is fuck, and you're turning down ten million to play a concert. Yeah, no. Like I don't even think he wanted to sell that many copies of that album. I don't. Oh god. god. No. Okay, so now we're we're gonna get into an interesting cast of characters. Okay, so okay. Hang, hang in there with me before we make any final judgments. Okay, because we're almost I at already the bottom made of my one. No, okay. already made it. So there's Michael Callie Dewitt. Okay. okay. He was Courtney's ex-boyfriend and a fellow heroin addict. Okay. But he was Francis's nanny. They Courtney and Kurt had a man who was a heroin addict taking care of their child. That tracks. 
And what they thought that the, this was for was because um, he would not alert authorities to the Cobain's drug use since he was also a drug user. So oh. that's why. And he was in the home when Kurt went missing. And they can oh. confirm this by incoming and outgoing telephone calls with Courtney. Hmm. Cool, cool. So Callie, okay, or Michael DeWitt, had been house-sitting with his girlfriend, okay, a young Jessica Hooper. Hopper. Hopper. The Hopper. Hopper. Not Hopper. Hopper, I barely know her. No, uh, yeah. Well, okay, so Kurt and Love were indisposed. So shortly after um, DeWitt and Hopper fell asleep, Cobain took a taxi to a gun shop where he purchased shotgun shells. DeWitt had been using drugs that day, and he didn't even register that Kurt was back. It wasn't until two days later during an argument with his girlfriend that when Kurt Cobain had left in the middle of the night, wasn't a hallucination from the drugs. So, don't know how credible that one is. At the same time, Courtney had a friend plant uh, a phony uh, report with the Associated Press that she had been hospitalized for a drug overdose. So Kurt's so-called suicide was supposed to occur late on a Saturday night. The phony OD story was part of Courtney's air quote plan to manipulate the media um, that it was a suicide pact so that she would have sympathy and attention as she took over, you know, Kurt Cobain's finances. Again, this is coming from Grant, this part. So I don't know how phony her drug overdose was. Okay, I don't have proof. (laughs) This is this is from Grant. So he says Well, he says, again, he was hired by Courtney originally. So And he fucked her, so I mean, I don't think he had sex with Courtney. I don't want think anybody besides Kurt would be nice enough to have sex with Courtney Courtney Love. I mean, listen. Drugs make you do stupid things. So, okay. So there was supposed to be a suicide pack cover-up, okay? And he said that a wrench was thrown in the plans when Cobain had purchased a plane ticket out of Seattle after he left the drug facility. Mm -hmm. Kurt left the house Saturday night and was unavailable for the appointment with the suicide, okay? When Courtney found out that the hit she supposedly made on Kurt didn't happen she panicked and that's when she discovered the plane ticket he had already purchased out of town that's when grant was hired sunday morning april 3rd court had kurt had to be located as soon as possible for this plan to get carried out and then the and and they didn't want the press to get wind of that uh kurt was potentially filing for divorce courtney just kept saying he knew he was going, she knew that he was going to kill himself. This is what she says to the newly hired PI grant. <laughs> I know he's going to kill himself. This is why we need to find him right now. I know he's going to kill himself because I'm murdering him in a few days. Well, together, when he first got hired, they subtracted another private investigator to watch places that Kurt was known to frequent. But Courtney explicitly said, do not watch the lake house. (laughs) Wonder why. And that's where he was found dead. And she did not want that on the stakeout list. Wonder why. I'm just. Bitch. 
Tom also thinks that Duet was using Kurt Cobain's credit cards pre and post suicide. In Cobain's final days in Seattle, um, there was unsolvable puzzle of all of these unconfirmed sightings and unsuccessful credit card transactions. Someone told the police that they saw Cobain in Veretta Park by his house. Okay. And other people said, hey, he was in Capitol Hill um, where his dealer lived. Okay. There are even unfounded reports that Cobain had spent a night um, at his summer home, 45 minutes east of Seattle with a friend. So all they have is like he was seen here, 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 and here. And he tried to use his credit card, but it didn't work. Grant said that had to be Collie using his credit card, but he had no way to prove it. So when they did cancel their credit cards, that made it harder to trace Cobain's footprints, okay? Because there's no successful credit card transactions um, the day after he left Los Angeles. Um, After the card was canceled, it stopped reporting where it was used. So over the next week, there were several attempts to use said car, uh, card, two of which confusingly occurred after April 5th. Okay. So I, I don't understand the importance of all this credit card shit because I guess it's proof that Courtney did it according to Tom Grant. Um, I mean, realistically, okay. When you're looking at a case, there's plausible deniability. Like you have to have proof beyond a reasonable doubt and people lose credit cards all the time. But what, where it gets interesting is a documentary from 1998 called Kurt and Courtney. Kev, did you see this one? No. Okay. Well, there's a punk singer, Alduce or Alduce or Deuce, Alduce, um, makes an appearance and he details the couple's drug use on this documentary. Now he says that Courtney gave him a message. Like she, she leaned over and she said, Hey, Hey, I need a favor from you. My old man's a real asshole and I need you to blow his fucking head off. El Deuce adds that love offered him $50,000 to murder Cobain to make it look like a suicide. He eventually said that he did know who murdered Cobain, but that he let the FBI catch him. He also goes on this El, El, El Deuce or whatever. He implicates Alan Wrench in fulfilling the murder contract. Why do I know that name? I mean, Alan Wrench is a physical tool. No. I feel like I know that name for something. Mm. Well, he passed a lie detector test administered by renowned expert Edward Gelb. And like, was, we know that's not real. Okay, but he passed well, we can't lose use lie detector as an evidence. That's what but, I mean. But he was tested and the guy said that there was no way that this guy was lying. Okay. But two days after the interview, he locked horns with a train and lost. And Alan, Mr. Wrench, was the last person to see El Deuce alive before he, you know, made out with the train. Yeah. Before he was killed. Yep. Well, he died. Yeah. Okay. So last bullet point, I'm at the end is a filmmaker of that documentary in 1998 was doing his own investigation to theories around Kurt's death. 
Nick didn't think he uncovered evidence to support these conspiracy theories, though. I think, uh, I have a quote from him. I think that he committed suicide. I don't think there's a smoking gun. And I think the only way he can explain a lot of things around his death, not only was not that he was murdered, but that he was just a lack of caring for him. I think Courtney had moved on and he was expendable. Now there's a new documentary out, which I have not watched made by Tom Grant himself called bleach. I, I have not watched it, but I thought that once we upgrade our tiers, um, that we could put that on the watch party somewhere list. Yes. Yeah. First is history of the world. Part one. Then yeah, I because watch apparently bleach. I'm going to get kicked off the podcast if I don't watch this. Exactly. Bye. You can kick me off. That's fine. <laughs> Peace out, Cub Scout. You're going to watch it. Actually, what we should have done is just booted her from the call right there. <laughs> yeah, right? She peaced <laughs> out. Mute her mic. I can mute her mic. I'll mute myself. <laughs> don't you dare. <laughs> so I don't know if that's something you're interested in watching Tom Grant's thing, but mm-hmm. I'm putting it on the list because it, it is. Win. Yeah. Okay. So good times. I can't decide because I'm the one who did the evidence. If it was murder or suicide, I literally cannot decide. It was murder. Kevin, it's your case. I I've thought she murdered him since the beginning. So murder. It was murder. I mean, you seem very <clears throat> adamant about suicide. Is it just like the loss of him that sucks? Like I'm trying to I'm trying to map this out now. What do you mean? Because, like, you like the first episode, you said suicide. Then we well, that's talked just about the. Suicide. I mean, that's the narrative that has been. The official narrative is he killed himself. Right. I mean, I'm well, not okay either way. Well, I mean, the official narrative is that Kurt Cobain killed himself on August eighth or on April eighth. That's the official narrative. That's, but that's my, been secured again in 2014 that he had killed himself. Right. Right. But my my episode was was simply about what Nirvana meant to music, what Kurt meant to Nirvana and what it all meant in the grander scheme of his mindset of being a punk musician as being someone who didn't want to be the icon that he was. That was what my part of it was. I mean, that's why I, I that's why I attacked it that way. Then I was letting you take care of all the rest. I can't decide. I know you guys it was murder, like, murder, murder. It was not all this stuff seems credible to me, even though I reported it because it's just like, it's, and you know why? Huh. Because she had money and she was able to get away with it because when you have money and you have the resources to do these things, the only because was, oh, he was, was already, very, also she was never a very good artist and her, in her career kind of took off after that. I but think, like also she had the he was on drugs background already. She was on drugs had, too though. Right. But when you have that narrative with someone, like if I was on drugs and I was a drug addict and then I showed up dead and like we already know I'm depressed, we already know I'm suicidal, we already know I'm a drug addict and I show up dead and it looks like a suicide, no matter how famous I am, they're going to be like, "Oh my god, look how sad this is. It was a suicide." All right. So here's here's what I need. 
I want to be on the murder train. I do. But I need to hear these conversations that Tom had with Courtney. And I'm mad that they are not on his website anymore. Because if I could just hear that, then I'm like, yeah, murder. But I couldn't couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. I don't know if he took them off because of bleach. And he placed them in She might have. He might have because like copyright or whatever where like. Well, if they're in bleach, you can't put them wherever else because like, even though they're yours, you can't like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's called soaked in bleach. It came out in 2015. So we're going to have to watch that on the Macabre Academy watch party. Okay. Also, I figured out how to do it. Ready, 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 Mm -hmm. ready. Screen share on zoom. Do we have to invite everyone to our zoom? Yep. But that's why it's a higher tier. Can everyone see me? Us, yes, them, no. But I'm. Oh, I can't see people? Well, maybe. We're going to work it out. But my screen is going to be a screen share. So you won't see me. You'll see my screen playing the movie. Oh, it's on on Prime. Yeah. And we need to mute everybody's mic so that we can just discuss it in the chat. Because that could be. That could be 10 people. If we get big, it could be 40 people. Like that's a lot. So we're just going to run the commentary in the chat and then we can switch to video afterwards and discuss said thing, which is fine. I'm watching tomorrow. Okay, cool. Wait, you can't watch it. Why can't I watch it? Because we're going to watch it together. Can I have your, can I have your Amazon prime login? Cause I don't pay for prime anymore. I just want to watch the things. Somebody needs to get that to me. Yeah. If I can figure out what it is, I'll send it over to you. I just want to watch it on my, my PlayStation. I don't. Look, why are you mad? Because I'm going to be the only that doesn't know it. That's not fair. That's the entire case so far. Fair. It's okay. We're going to do it as a Patreon watch party. So you, right, you ain't got it. shit to do. Watch it. Yeah. We're going to watch it. Prime? I don't. You have, you have Ryan's Prime. No, he locked me out. He's being a petty bitch. I mean, it's fair. Okay. So we're definitely going to start doing the, the new tiers here. Um, on our end, though, it's still October. So those will roll out November 1st. When this comes out, if you didn't know about it, go to the Patreon and look at it because you'll get new tiers. Okay. Yeah, do the things. Do the things. All right. So we, do, we have a weird but true. Yes, I do have a weird but true. Prepared this time. Yes. I can't read Russian. Fuck no, this. we're not. Anyway, um, so my weird but true is actually topical. I should have said it in the first part, but I forgot about it until just now. Um, so the title Smells Like Teen Spirit was actually uh, written on Kurt's wall by, Kathle- by Kathle- Kathleen Hanna of Bikini Kill. And she just wrote Kurt Smells Like Teen Spirit, which is like a teenage deodorant that was available at the time. Mm-hmm. So that's how they named Smells Like Teen Spirit. Perfect. I used to use that actually. It was the first deodorant they handed me, you know, in like the health class in the bag. So there you go. That's that's where the the title of the song comes in. And if you'll notice, "Smells Like Teen Spirit" does not occur as a lyric in the song. No, not at all. I wondered why they called it that because I'm like, it's not in the song. So there you go. You know what's weird is we're like on episode like thirty something, and there's so that means a third of the dares are done. But that means two thirds aren't, and they're 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 weirdly spread out now. Look at us mathing. I'm mathing. That, that's math a lot of math. math. Um, 
So like, do you need me to pick another number? Okay, my darling witches, it's time for your weekly non-offensive dare. You must be a Patreon to participate so you can earn points for your house. Each month, the house with the most points gets to vote on weekly non-offensive dares, topics of future episodes, and so much more. Each week, once you've gotten your dare, you must safely and creatively complete a post on social media so that we can see that you've done the task. You can tag us at Twitter at Macabre Academy, or you can tag us on Instagram at The Macabre Academy, and you must include a hashtag with your house name to obtain the points. The world is a fucked up place. These dares are designed to bring silliness and random acts of kindness into the world. You must safely complete your dare. If you are unsafe, your points will not be counted. You can also earn additional points for your house by being the first to submit episode corrections to us at themacabacademy at gmail.com. Also, if we use your ideas or stories in a future episode, more points may be awarded. Let's return to the podcast to see what your weekly non-offensive dare will be. No, you pick last. No, it's not. It's Kevin's. Kevin, tell her it's my turn. It's not. I really like picking numbers. You're really bad bad at it. (laughs) Give me a a range. All right, let's let's go back a bit. You can go between fourteen and twenty. Sixteen. Did I already pick 16? No. Just one of my funnier dares, and I I really hope somebody does it. Okay, what is it? All right, this week, your non-offensive dare is to give yodeling a try. You got to yodel. I really want to do this. You got to yodel. That's that's what it is. Please, please do this. So this one's okay. obviously going to be more of an audio dare, but all of our platforms allow for a video to be uploaded. So yeah, you got to Yeah, you got to do it. It's and just rules. think, even if it's humiliating for you, you're going to put a smile on somebody else's face. You're going to make really me ours. smile so hard. I'm going to literally <laughs> sit there and watch it over and over and over and over again. <laughs> and I'm going to be so happy. I should see if Sound Maiden will make a, a clip of her yodeling or something because she's like an amazing voice. No, I want it to be bad. Ow. She's All yodeling bad. is bad by definition. Are you okay, Brandy? I'm great. You're dying. I am. <laughs> I, know dying. The, I know the pain face. I got her too riled up with the yodeling. And I kind of know how to do some yodeling from Sound of Music or whatever, so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do it. Okay, cool. Remember the puppets playing and yodeling. <laughs> No dying, Brandy. It's not allowed. Okay. All right. So you got us next week, right? You got that case that you're working yeah. on. Yeah. Okay. Good. And then I'll. Should be easy out. to record this one since Brandy ain't doing shit for the next eight days. Listen, bitch. It's the first time I've taken a vacation in two and a half years. I'm just saying, we're always waiting for you to record, but you ain't doing shit for the next eight days. So we should be able to record for easier this time. Yeah, maybe. That's all I'm saying. Kevin, you dream too big. <laughs> you dream way too big. 
but you're going to help me on this hidden space program thing, right? If I send you some notes. Sure. Me? Send them over. I got shit to do. Yeah. No, Kev. Oh, good. I was like, no, I got my own hands full. I'm not saying it's aliens. But, but it's, it's aliens. aliens. Oh, it's, aliens. it's aliens. Oh, it's yeah. definitely aliens. 1,000%. We are, we're overdue for an alien episode. All right. I've been working real hard on this one. I'm proud of you. You should be proud. And luckily, it's more linear than uh, the Kurt Cobain case. So. All right, guys. I'm tired. Me too. All right. Okay. I'm not, but I have 20 minutes of left of uh, Tattoos Day, so I'm going to go take advantage of that. Nice. Wait, what's Tat Tuesday? Tatawahe Tuesday. Oh, oh, I thought you meant like Tattoo Tuesday. I'm like, I forgot. I mean, they do make the tattoo, but I don't have any of those on. But on I love Tatawahe. I have not had one of those in like three years. All right. Before this devolves into anything else, let's, right, uh, bye, let's let the listener bye. go. Uh, so also, wait, thank you for all of our new patrons. All one of you. Oh, you have yeah. a new one. You do have a new one. Yeah. You have to say I hello. I do. My buddy you Andrew. Say hello. Yeah, is he the one that wanted me off the podcast? Yes, he still does. Eat actually. dicks and die, Andrew. Eat dicks and die. <laughs> That's really just cat. for you. <laughs> he has a cute cat. I'm allergic he has a, to cats. He has a really cute cat. <laughs> That's great. Eat Can dicks. you send a picture of the cat yodeling? Can that be his stare? That be- <laughs> he could be the cat and he could just voice over yodeling for the cat. It'll be great. <laughs> please, please, please. <laughs> I told you, you can interpret said dares. There's there's room for creativity. <laughs> All right, get out right. there, start yodeling, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by Nerdy Witch in partnership with Sound Maiden. We want to thank all of our wonderful Patreons. For updates, please follow the Macabre Academy on Facebook. Remember to like, share, and listen exclusively on Buzzsprout. Soon, we'll be available wherever you listen to podcasts.